Hello and welcome to another edition of Community Conversations. My name is Jim Storer. I'm the founder of the Community Roundtable, and I'm joined by my capable co-host, Shannon Abram. Shannon? Hi, Jim. We are back with a brand new episode for you today, and we are super excited to chat with a new community friend, Michelle Snack. Hi, Michelle. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. We are so happy you're joining us today. Kick us off by sharing with our audience a little bit about you, where you work, and the kind of community you work with. I am Michelle Sneck, like you said, and I come to community management a little bit from a different background. So my background is actually ecology and evolutionary biology. I have a PhD from Rice, and I pivoted from academia and started being really interested in data science and what it can do for business and supporting actually women in in business. It's just where I got started at a hackathon in Houston. And I decided to pivot to data science. And through that pivot, I actually landed a role at USAA. And when I started as a data scientist, I quickly realized that because the field is so nascent, we really required a lot of support from peers. And we we just didn't quite have what I thought we needed. And so I thought that someone who could manage communities and bring people together and identify needs and kind of elevate those needs to our leadership was needed. And I somehow was able to wrangle that position. And now I do that at USAA. I work for the financial part of USA, so USA Bank, but USA also has a couple of other businesses underneath it so that we also have life insurance and we also have property and casualty. So it's an, an interesting tapestry of business use cases and also dedicated data scientists who are looking to solve problems to support our members. And I'm lucky enough to be able to support them in that effort. For folks on the call today that are not familiar with the discipline of data science, can you share a little bit more about what it entails and and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So as an academic, what I did was I gathered data painstakingly. So for instance, I actually sat and watched grass grow and gathered that data, put them in Excel files, and then analyzed them. And what I did to analyze them was I used mathematical modeling and coding. And it wasn't until after I had graduated, I had realized that that approach was actually pretty akin to what people are doing at larger scales. And that's really what data science is. It's taking large amounts of data and deriving insights from them, uh, usually using mathematical modeling or sometimes complex algorithms and also machine learning. So you can make new predictions and label new unseen data. And it took a while for my brain to move from collecting not a lot of data with a lot of effort to having lots of data at my fingertips. You can imagine what a large financial institution has in terms of data. so that was a huge mindset shift for me. But yep, data science is the the application of math to derive insights from lots of data. Thanks so much for that. So you just recently won our Community Leadership Award for Rookie of the Year. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. I, I didn't expect it. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is really cool. Well, it's, you know, we, we like to recognize folks that really jump in with both feet and Given the Rookie of the Year recognizes a community manager with less than three years in the field, it seems like it's fitting for you, and it does sound like you uh, you really jumped right in. So you started to tell us how you got into data science. Can you tell how you got into community management, community building? For sure. So like I said, when I landed here as a data scientist at USAA, I noticed that there was a lot of disconnection. Like I mentioned, USAA actually has quite a few businesses beneath it. So we have bank, we have a 
life insurance and we have property and casualty insurance. And I noticed that the data scientists who were serving those businesses were really disconnected. And I also noticed that a lot of our practices were really splintered and siloed. And another thing I noticed was that we didn't have maybe the best communication around how to use our technology and what best practices were in data science because it is such a emerging field. And so I actually had the opportunity to create in concert with other folks a data science hub in the bank where we focus on technology enablement, skills enablement, and process enablement. And I took on kind of the people part of that, the the community and skills development part. And as a function of that, I created the bank advanced analytics community with the thought of like, all right, we're going to have a Slack channel. We're going to talk. We're going to probably have a meeting, but I'm not sure what this really looks like. Well, fast forward a couple of years and I had the opportunity to create a community for the entire USAA space. So all of those data scientists and all those different businesses, which we named the Data Science and Engineering Guild. And this basically brings together data engineers and data scientists, as well as anyone in the modeling community together to discuss emerging topics and identify best practices and really lead the field into the future very thoughtfully and strategically. And so this community now has been established since May of this year. And I have seen such incredible benefits of having this community and including other people really leaning in and taking ownership of expanding the community and maturing it. So that's what I've been up to. And I'm an accidental community manager. I didn't even know community management was a was a thing until I actually met Alex. He's from Microsoft and he's a great member of the community roundtable. And he's like, hey, there's the community roundtable. There's lots of people doing this stuff. And there's so much information you can gain from the community roundtable that can help you as you kind of figure out what this is. And so I was really excited to be a member of the community roundtable and have not looked back since. That's amazing. We love Alex. And I think a lot of community managers would consider themselves accidental community managers. It's almost an official job title at this point. So you mentioned Slack is one of the platform, or maybe it is the platform. Are there other platforms you're using to create community there at USA? Slack is the main platform, but we we leverage Zoom and, you know, other sort of collaborative platforms like Mural. But most of what we do in terms of communication outward and and between various silos of the company is, is really Slack. And I've got to imagine it's, it sounds like a lot of what you're doing within USAA may benefit from some of the tactics that Sean and team use within the CR network. So you may be borrowing some of those strategies. For sure. Honestly, every time I have a question, I roll up with the CR to see, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure someone's attacked this problem. In addition to that, I had the opportunity to host reoccurring conversations with internal community managers. And that's been amazing because we get to ask and answer questions in real time of each other. And it's surprising how consistent our experiences are. You might think that you're alone in your quest, but really everybody is feeling really similarly and seeing similar things, despite, you know, working for very different companies. So that has also been really, really helpful. I love hearing that. That is for any longtime listeners or longtime followers of the community roundtable that was very much the genesis of us starting you know 14 years ago what where it was just like as an emerging discipline so many people sat alone in an organization and had no one to talk to like and it's just really hard not to have peers or to feel like oh i am 
tackling a problem that no one else has ever tackled before. When in reality, there's hundreds of people tackling exactly the same problem. They're just not connected with each other. And so I love hearing that that is helpful for you. Absolutely. So what I would like to hear about as an accidental community manager, which I feel like could possibly be like the title of your first album, just there's something to think about, just something to think about. What has surprised you most in starting to do this community building work at USAA? How much it is needed and how much it's not seen as something that's essential. It's a fraught question because I feel very, very passionately about the importance of connection as a way of buffering folks through institutional change. So, you know, we're in an unprecedented time of technological advancement and people need to understand, you know, where they sit and how to grapple with constant change. And I constantly argue that community is the way to do that. And I somehow was able to convince one of our VP here at USA, he's a person that helps to manage regenerative AI efforts and things like that, I convinced him that community was going to be the linchpin to help the data science and engineering community really move into the future. And I think that we appreciate that notion, but to understand its impact is really difficult because there's so many things that happen that you can't measure. Even though I know the CR has has published a lot about measuring impact, it's, it's difficult. But as a consequence of creating the data science and engineering guild, there are more and more people coming out of the woodwork to say, the existence of this community has inspired me to do X. And that's something that I had never imagined happening. People are seeing the impact of togetherness and wanting to take up the mantle to help support it for a longer term. And that is so exciting to me. Also this week, I had the chance to give a talk during a kind of a a learning seminar that we have every year here. It's called Back to School. And I gave an impassioned talk about the importance of community as the unit of organizational change. Uh, It's kind of like a change management mechanism. And as a result, someone asked, why can't we have community managers beyond yourself, right? Like, why why is there only one? Why can't we make this into like a title that people can have? Because it's clearly very essential. And I'm like, why don't we? So I guess the next step, an emergent property of all this work is maybe trying to argue for community management to be an expanded title and that for more people beside myself to have it, because I'm really the only one. One of the comments that you just made really struck me, and it's where you said how much it's needed, meaning community management, and how often it's not seen as essential. I, I do know that a lot of community managers are nodding right now as they're listening to this podcast. And first of all, it's striking how rigid traditional hierarchical organizational structures are and how resistant they are to change. In this year's state of community management, the concept of internal evangelism was critical and seen as something that organizations have to do well if they want to be successful within their their companies. And finally, the the other idea that, that came out when you were talking about needing to, I'll use the term deputize other community managers or, or create those roles. What I've seen a lot of organizations do well is create a center of excellence that gives people those skills without them necessarily needing to be called a community manager. They just become very proficient at community management as 
part of their job. And so then they can start to see and seed opportunities for community within the organization. Ooh, okay. So you just, you gave me my next quest, I think. The topic of center of excellence? Yeah, yeah. I think that what's amazing about my position and a big reason why I have stayed at USAA beyond, you know, the great mission is the flexibility of my role. Like I can kind of do whatever I want because at least my immediate leaders find it to be very useful. And so if I wanted to start creating a center of excellence within my existing communities and proselytize that across the company, it could be well received. It's supporting the Association of American Medical Colleges who are also members of the network. And so you could certainly chat with some of the folks there and we can make those introductions. That'd be awesome. Mostly what I'm hearing is that we're going to need a follow-up podcast in about 12 months just to hear about what's happening. I'm just, I'm already looking for an update. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> so what advice do you have for a new to community professional like you that maybe community isn't in your job title, but you're definitely doing community work? It's a good one. Pacing yourself is important. You can get excited by so many ideas and so many opportunities that you see and get frustrated and overwhelmed all at the same time, right? Excited, frustrated, and overwhelmed all at the same time. And you might start really opening up all of those idea packages at once and be like, what do I do with this? Or you start big and get really tired. Because one thing that I think we don't talk about enough is the emotional labor of being a community manager, because people see you as kind of like the big sister of function. Like people come to me with questions about career advice or basically anything, you know, access to a learning resource, things like that. And it it does get emotionally draining. So take care of yourself first, pace yourself and pick one big thing and make that happen. And that'll help you gain confidence. Maybe not even a big thing, maybe just a small thing, something that's an easy lift to get your, your sea legs and get positive feedback and then go from there. Another thing that I might say to someone new is look at the data. Every time I've started a new community or a new effort, I get an understanding of what people need first. Uh, So I do a needs assessment. This was just an intuitive thing that I did. Come to find out that's probably the good thing to do, but I would sit and interview people. I would send out surveys and I just wanted to understand, you know, do you feel connected Do you feel like you know what you need to do to succeed here in your job? And those data are going to really be your North Star and help you create the strategic pillars for whatever you decide to build. So I guess in some, gather data, pace yourself, quick wins so you feel like you have some confidence and buy-in from the other people in the community and take care of yourself. I love the concept of taking care of yourself because it's for sure this does have a high portion of emotional energy that's needed to be successful at this role. So I love that. And I wanted to ask a little bit about USAA and and how you've been successful in getting so many people on board. And it reminded me of a phrase that an old soccer coach used to use, which was enthusiasm creates momentum. And I have seen your enthusiasm. So I imagine that's one of your your, uh, ingredients to success is being enthusiastic about what you're doing. But are there other ways that you've been able to get so many people on board with the concept of community? Enthusiasm is 
definitely a big part of it. Um, just being excited about things you're talking about definitely makes other people excited. But the other thing I think is that is really useful is having come from within the community. So you have that kind of street cred. So having been a data scientist for several years prior to kind of moving into a role where I support data scientists, I know the pain points. I honestly would know how someone who maybe is struggling to succeed in the field might respond to something. So for instance, we do a lot of migrations and I can approach a problem being like, all right, well, if I had to do this, I would probably hack my way through it, probably not the best way. And it might work, but it might be subpar. So like, how can we avoid the the dumb data scientists, as I call myself, because I, I honestly don't feel like I was the best. And maybe that's that's a superpower because I'm able to, to understand how people might fall into some traps, especially with, you know, maybe coming at it from a, a non-computer science background. I think that has also been a secret sauce of being really highly empathetic with the audience that I'm serving and having the credibility of having done the job. Because a lot of people try to serve this community, but fail because they don't quite understand what's needed. And I guess the next thing that I do is I network a lot. I know people all across the enterprise and I try to make them my best friend. Not not like insincerely, but try to make connections that are meaningful so that people when I when I need them, you know, when I when I think that they could give a talk or have a piece of knowledge that maybe might benefit someone else, I can reach out to them. And also if if I see that someone needs help, like if they're promoting an event, I'm like, "Hey, do you want me to promote this for you? Let me get on, you know, my Slack channels and and get the word out." And so I ingratiate that kind of mutual trust. So I guess I came to it circuitously, but I think having the trust of the community that you serve and a sincere desire to help really allows you to have a bigger impact. I love that. So I think I maybe know the answer, but I'm I'm excited to hear. What excites you most about your community right now? I think communities are like organisms, probably because I'm a trained ecologist, but I think that they have the first phase of the organism is perhaps the gathering of the cells coming together. I don't know if you've ever seen a video of a slime mold where there's all these individual organisms that come together to create something more emergent. And they come together because they know that there's a need whether it's to feed or to spawn, they, they sense it. And so at this point, we've gathered where this new thing, maybe slime mold, if you want to use the analogy, but now you have to decide what to do. And that's where we are. So I'm talking about the Data Science and Engineering Guild. We have a cadre of fellows, as we call them, that are aligned to different COSA or different businesses, and they all have different roles. And we're at the stage where we've established credibility and that trust within the community. And it's kind of like, we could do whatever we wanted. We could really make a huge difference. We just have to decide what that is. And so that's what I'm really excited about is like, what is that next emergent property of all of these cells coming together to create a new organism? What is this new organism going to do? Because if we continue to have momentum and buy-in, we could really make a huge difference. Now we're going to have to find a uh a video of that slime mold or an image and, and add that to the podcast page. So I, I can send it. Uh, there's a pretty good one. I can okay. send you. We'd love that. At the conclusion of the podcast, we'd love to go into a little bit of a speed round and ask some, some fun questions. And so I'm going to kick it off by asking if you're a member of team dog or team cat. I like kitty cats. I have two. We're also going to need you to pay the cat tax and send us pictures of those cats to include with the podcast. Okay, I can do that. A cat tax, please. What are you binging right now? 
I'm a busy toddler mom. I don't have a lot of time, but there are a couple of things I am binging. I always rewatch Star Trek The Next Generation when I feel like I need an infusion of positivity and hope for the future. So if you ever need that, this is incredible. Look, look to Picard. <laughs> and then I also really love podcasts. So there's one, a medical mystery podcast. And the latest episode was about a fungus that I actually very closely related to the fungus that I studied for my PhD, which can cause some interesting effects when you eat it. It creates lysergic acid and it's called ergotism. And so I recently binged a podcast about an ergot outbreak in France. So those are the two things I've been really focused on. We recorded a podcast on Tuesday with the always delightful Helen Chen, and she had the same answer, not about the fungus. <gasps> She also said that Star Trek is her like regular binge and she goes back to it and finds a lot of comfort in it. She draws all these parallels. You can, this podcast will be released after Helen's. So if you're listening to this, you can go back, listen to the last episode, how there's so many parallels to her between the space exploration they do of different worlds and in different communities and how it for her directly feeds back into the community work she does. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the Federation of Planets is constantly reaching out into new parts of space, right? And trying to bring people along with them. If, if of course, you know, it's in alignment with the prime directive, but absolutely like there's a lot of comfort in seeing an organization of people who are genuinely want to create connection and want to do the right thing. And I definitely identify with that. If man, if Starfleet existed, I'd sign me up. And it is sort of the, I grew up watching Star Trek because it was my dad's favorite and the idea of like the beauty of curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like something I feel like maybe pieces of our world currently lack that just the the connections you can get just by being genuinely interested in another person on like a very person to person level. 100%. I don't know what's going on today. Can you hear me now? I can't. Uh It's spooky season. And the answer is that it's a ghost. It's true. There's definitely ghosts here today. So we started asking this question during the pandemic. And I I love to hear because I still work from home. So do you have a favorite work from home hack? Oh, candles. Having nice smells because we actually did have returned to office here at USA. So I have to come in three days a week. In fact, I am recording this from my cubicle as we speak. But at home, I delight in the things that I cannot do in the office, which is usually lighting pumpkin scented candles. And so that's what I do to kind of enjoy myself. That's amazing. And we will share a link to a former colleague of ours who started a candle company. Ooh, I'm here for that too. (laughs) There's, you can learn so much more than just community on our podcast. It really is just a whole, we just really run the gamut of topics. <laughs> Next question. What's your favorite dessert? Oh, snap. All right. I'm going to be kind of cheesy here, but any dessert that I get to eat with my daughter. So she's a pretty picky eater, oh. but she has discovered that she can pound down some dessert. So last night we actually went to my um, parents' 41st wedding anniversary. Well, I'm dating myself, I guess, but they we ordered a tiramisu and a New York cheesecake. And my daughter is a picky eater. She, sometimes she won't even like really feed herself. I, I have to feed her, which is probably more my problem than hers. But she just took that fork and was like going to town and it was the best thing. So I got to eat a little bit of it, but seeing her enjoy that was the enjoyment I, I liked more than anything. So I guess that's my favorite dessert is the one that I get to see my daughter eat. 
I love that. I'm beyond the kids that are picky eater stage, but when our kids were single digits, we brought them to Japan and we came up with a new mantra in Japan because it was hard to get them food that they would like to eat. So our mantra was ice cream every day in Japan. <laughs> did you, did they try mochi? Uh, they did. They loved it. But what we could find is we could find soft serve on almost every corner. And so we were not against serving them soft serve whenever they were hungry, just to make sure they were getting their internal, their calories. There are many things we do as parents that we would be like, I would never do that. And you're like, nope, I'm doing that. That makes right. a lot of sense to me right now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Next question. And I think you started to answer this. And I'm, I'm interested if how you think about your community superpower. Like, what is it? Is, is Are there multiple? I think having been a data scientist and serving a community of data scientists definitely gives me an advantage. I, you know, I talked to Alex. He's in... Uh, he serves a very similar community at Microsoft, and I know he comes right. from a, a slightly different perspective. And I can see where he brings things that are unique to the table that maybe I don't because of his background. So I think leveraging your unique background to better suit and serve the people you serve is always a, a superpower. I think the other thing is that I am super nerdy. So I am able to kind of adopt the nerddom of the the people that I'm serving at any given time. So I needed this data engineer to do something for me. And somehow I knew that he liked Dungeons and Dragons. So I was rolling for charisma and trying to get a critical hit so he could do something that I needed for the community. Or I have fellows who support me for the Data Science and Engineering Guild. And all we do is speak in medieval Tolkien theatrics so you know if, if someone you know does something great we're like a huzzah and and uh you know lots of oblique references to the ring of power things like that so just making stuff nerdy and fun and not taking yourself too seriously because people will engage with you they love to laugh they love to just connect on something outside of work and so when i do put on something maybe that's data literacy related or tech related making it fun and approachable and cozy is probably something that I do best. I think that's great <laughs> advice across the board for community builders is to don't take yourself too seriously and try to make community fun. It's not necessarily the easiest thing given some cor corporate cultures out there, but great advice. Yeah, I I don't know anything about data scientists, but I'm very interested in the work you do now. So <laughs> it's working. Final question. Who or what is your community inspiration? I don't want to rely on Star Trek, but that's that's probably a big one. It's fictional, right? But I'd say the ethos of the Federation of Planets is basically to explore new worlds and make connections, bring people into the fold, if that's what they so choose. But also be respectful to the culture that exists before you arrived. And that's part of the prime directive. So one thing that I noticed as a graduate student, I was part of a very small group of ecologists and evolutionary biologists. We had our own department and that department was subsumed late in my PhD experience by the cell biology department. And it felt like this huge insurrection, which is also a Star Trek movie, but where our culture was being subsumed by this external culture. And I talked to the chair of the department, the cell biology department. And I was like, 
you know, we had these, these routines that we really care about. They might not mean a lot to you, but they're part of our culture. And the, I'll never forget what the chair said. She's like, I don't have to change anything. I just have to wait for you to leave and people will forget. And Ooh. I thought from then on, I would never let that happen again. So I think community is not only trying to get people on board, but also appreciating what's there. And I think that Star Trek does a good job of both, right? Bringing people along into something larger than themselves, but also allowing them to be uniquely them. And from that experience as a graduate student, I then and there decided that if I ever had the opportunity, like that chair did, to bring people along for a ride, I wouldn't do that to them. I would honor what existed before I did. I might need to go as Captain Kirk for Halloween this year. I, you know, I'm a, I'm partial to Janeway. I felt like she was pretty cool too. Yeah. This wow. has been a really wonderful conversation. Honestly, my biggest takeaway is that I wish we lived closer and we could be buddies, but you know, that's, you know, if, if you learn anything from the community round table, we don't have to be in the same spot to be friends, right? That's like, true. You're right. You're giving me hope. You're giving me hope. Um, no, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I can't wait to be able to share this with other people. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us. Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been a blast. Thank you, Michelle.